Yeah, this is kind of a story, a message all woven into one thing. I just want to commend you all for showing up on time. India time is like elastic time. It's like, oh yes, yes, the, the meeting starts, the one meeting was, Sunday meeting was 8 a.m. prompt. I'm like, okay, we'll be up, we'll be ready for that. Because of course it's cooler part of the day and it was hot, guys. And humid as, I mean, really, really humid. But we kind of got used to it. <coughs> and it was so humid, my ankles were swelling up and things like that. So, ah, no, that's not what today is. So, we, we, <laughs> so, but they wouldn't let us go down at eight o'clock. So, you only, the guest speaker only arrives when there's people in the room. And then the meeting really starts. So probably about 9.30. <laughs> so we had to get used to this whole idea. Now the meeting starts at whatever the time was, but then there'd probably be someone doing some singing and stuff. That something would happen, but at the beginning there'd be almost nobody in the room, and then bit by bit. It's a, Africa's a bit like that. It's bits I've been to anyway, and it's like elastic time really. So this is wonderful. You're so on time. I mean, this meeting will be over before. We, if it was India, we'd just be getting going. We'd be finished. Coffee and all. Isn't that amazing? So pat yourselves on the back there. That's pretty, pretty amazing. Um, so Hope Impacts India is what, is what we really did. And uh, I want to thank you all so much for praying for us. I want to thank you for sending us. Uh, and... Uh, I know different ones of you spoke to me and said, oh, yeah, we'd love to go, but just can't do it this time. Or, you know, it's, it's an expensive place to get to. So we've certainly got an invite back. Whether we'll make it back is a matter for prayer, but we've certainly got a big invite back to, to go back there. Uh, I've got multiple things going on here. There we go. Um, I just want to pray, and, uh, and then we'll, we'll get into the story and the things that I think really apply for us right now out of the story so father god uh thank you you are holy and and uh, your name is is powerful jesus that it's so powerful because it we're just recognizing the realities that are in the room a holy god who's included us in jesus who rose from the dead conquered everything said it was finished so his name says that reality in this space so thank you for what john bought Good to have the Sharps visiting, by the way. Nice to see you guys. And uh, yeah, we pray your reality would be tangible to us this morning. The reality of what you've already done uh, for us and what is real for us right now in our lives, in our bodies and in this space. So uh, Hope Impacts India, Overwhelmed to Overjoyed is my theme. Um, and those were probably the ongoing emotions of the journey. So overwhelmed, particularly at the beginning, and overwhelmed by a number of things. Um, it was, the journey was a pain. It was like 36 hours, and we arrived, and you'll see in a minute, I hope the video clip works. Some of you have seen it online. We arrived at 11 o'clock at night to them throwing petals on us and wreaths, and you can see it on the picture there. And they, they'd been, they stayed behind to pray that our journey would come through because we had to reroute via Delhi and on and on and on. All kinds of things. We were, we were kind of zombies when we got there. And they're like, yeah, it's great to see you. 
And you're like, wow, I never had this experience. So Hope Church, anytime you fancy, you know, wreaths and I'm now, I'm now in, you know, culture, I'm up for that. I can cope with that. Um, <laughs> maybe not 11 o'clock at night. And then we had food, you know, they had special food for us, special fish and all this. This is like midnight. And then, you know, we're shattered. And we've got, because we're so late, the meetings start the next morning. Thank the Lord for India Elastic Time, otherwise we'd have been just that. So it was overwhelming for a number of reasons. It was overwhelming because culturally it's so different to here. And, and so you're trying to connect to them where they are with a truth that you know is eternal, works anywhere. Yeah, but we have a package. And the most challenging bit was like doing ministry times. So we have various methods that we've worked. Sometimes things that God has shown us that have worked and stuff that I've done on, you know, traveling around that's kind of worked for me with Jesus. So, you know, the thing I've talked to you about where I'll, I'll just say if you came with symptoms, check it out because someone's already healed. Tried that in India, didn't work. Tried all kinds of stuff. Not because not nothing was happening, but just because they just, what they wanted was, once they realized that we were carrying something from God, they all wanted our hands on them, like one at a time. And sometimes we were there till an hour, hour and a half after the preaching and everything, just praying one after another, you know, 11 o'clock, 11.30, 12 o'clock at night, praying, 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 praying. Because that's kind of culturally what they instinctively wanted rather than some kind of westernized style of, you know, come come forward, come to the side, put your hand up like they, didn't, they don't put their hand up. Just don't do that. It, it's, it's not like in school we put our hands up, we do all that. That wasn't in their culture. So John Clancy and I had that. So that was kind of overwhelming. Like how do we connect? Uh, is this even working? You know, is this going to work? God, what are you doing? Those sort of feelings, feeling uh, stretched outside of any comfort zone you may have, like being greeted with flowers. That was, Teresa said, you looked overwhelmed. Said, yeah, that was way out of my comfort zone, whether it was 11 o'clock at night or 11 o'clock in the morning. Was like, no, just, just too much, too much. Um, an overwhelming need. I think the, it, it hits you as you get engaged with it is one of the reasons everybody wants you to pray for them is pretty much... <coughs> There's, there's a lot of poverty. They're not eating well. And lots of, lots of people are sick and can't afford to go to the doctor. And if they do, the, the medical system... There's a lot of corruption in India. The police are corrupt. Medical system's corrupt. So you're not necessarily going to get value for your rupee, even if you do go. And uh, so if someone comes and, like, we're doing healing, they're like, I want some of that, which is another overwhelming thing when there's hundreds of them who want some of that and they won't stay in their seat and do it the way we want it done <coughs> just they want you to touch them you're like yeah i mean honestly there were times you thought like i could see how what it was like for jesus you know they're just all milling around and everybody wants a piece of whatever action he's carrying um so so the need was overwhelming the the culture was overwhelming um because it it it, 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 it touched in certain places, but but many many places 
it, it didn't work. Um, most people don't speak English. A lot of people don't even like read. So here's a cultural thing. I prayed for a lady with, with a blurry vision. You could see it's probably cataracts. But young woman, both eyes all sort of fogged up. And I said, can you read that sign over there, which was in their language, and she's like, I can't read. So the test for has your eyesight improved failed at the first cultural hurdle. I was like, I have to find another way of figuring out can we have some sort of... These are the issues we were facing. Um, and and, and uh, it was overwhelming. But the eye changed. You could see what... I don't know why... There was two foggy eyes, but one of them got clear, and she knew. She could go, wow, she could see. If she couldn't read, she could still see. Isn't that, that's fantastic. Um, so those are the things that, but overjoyed because consistently God kept breaking through. And, and I'm going to talk a bit about this at the end. But this, the, what God has, has kind of what has taught us, what he's introduced us to as a community over these last 10 years or so as we've kind of worked out identity, father, heart, inclusion in the Trinity, intimacy, um, the finished work of the cross, it is finished. Basically, those are the, that's the stuff we talked about. Guess what? It worked. It, it, it worked. I'm going to tell you how much, much it worked in a minute. So despite all the barriers and feeling overwhelmed, we just kind of kept going with what God had given us to give and he just kept showing up and doing amazing stuff through us and with us so oh thank the Lord for that otherwise it would have just been overwhelming and we'd have come home overwhelmed um okay stop talking India that's a picture of India and I'll give you approximately where where we went because it's a big big country this works yeah here we go got the range no it doesn't anyway I'll use the old-fashioned method so we flew into Hyderabad and we did two bases so one was down here and one was over here one was in Andhra Pradesh a village down here and the other was in Telangana a village about there and then we came back here and we flew home so south-ish and to the east. Now, India is <coughs> an amazing place. And it, it's basically the nation with the largest number of unreached people and unreached people groups in the entire planet. Way more than even China, who you would think would be because it's such a populous nation. So, India's population is about 1.39, well, but it's changing all the time, second only to China and due to overtake China very soon. Uh, the unreached people groups inside the nation, so that means they have an ethnic identity that isn't just Indian, they may have a unique language, unique customs, and so uh, the verse we're going to look at in a minute, it says, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all nations, actually means ethnos, which is people group, not just country. So there's 2,135 is the estimate inside India, and that is number one on the planet by four times over, like massively so. And they estimate 
of the 1.39, there's 1.34 billion people yet to be reached with the gospel in India. So it's the largest, currently the largest mission field for the gospel of Jesus Christ on the planet, the largest opportunity to, to reach people for Jesus. Amazing. Um, and this is what we're called to do, and this is what certainly has been in my heart a long time. It kind of drives your life. Jesus was given all authority in heaven and on earth. He said, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So we just kind of taught them what we knew, and guess what? It works. Because it's the kingdom, it works everywhere. Uh, Scotland, India, and that bit going to all the world. So going to all ethnos, all people groups, and make disciples of all nations. That's what it's saying. Nations are ethnos, people groups. Just give you a little bit of Bible background as we go through this. Um, <clears throat> India is a, a developing country, so it's it's not like here. So the power can go off without notice. The water can go off without notice. Um, there's a, a great deal of poverty. There's a big move to the cities. So the cities are huge. Where we were was a bit more rural, but there's a move away from rural into cities. They're building power stations and coal mines, and, and they are industrializing at, at a rate, but their infrastructure and all that, is not as developed as as would be. Um, it's it's a developing nation, and there's you know I've already touched on some of the things that we would find uh, there's a lack of medical services. You can't you can't you shouldn't even clean your teeth with the water. You know, like we're used to the standard is what comes out of the tap is actually got to be potable in all of Europe now, but not there. And uh, if you drink it, you can get typhoid. It's at that sort of level um, so it's developing and uh, it's it's a little bit absolutely wonderful but to westerners like us it's just a little bit crazy I'm going to tell you a story a crazy story so we <coughs> just over halfway through we traveled to our second base and they said it was a five hour five hour journey on the roads and they have uh, dual carriageways and motorway type roads and all that kind of stuff so and they've got a, a, a nice people carrier car we could all get in and we'd already experienced some of Indian roads at this point so we kind of knew what we were in for but we didn't so we get in this car and they all there's no there are speed limits but a bit like time is elastic all rules are also elastic right you have to remember that it, it rules are basically that they're not even suggestions. They're just there in the background to show that we have them. They're not really things. So illustration, we're driving down this road and, and it's a dual carriageway and we're going pretty fast and continuously on like there's a mini hard shoulder going in the opposite direction are these little three, three-wheeler tuk-tuk things and motorbikes. So if there's a junction and they can't be bothered to go across and down the right side, they just get on the hard shoulder and come up the wrong way down the thing. So you drive along and most of them 
are on the hard shoulder at least. But then we're driving along quite high speed because there are speed limits, but nobody takes a blind bit of notice to speed limits. So you just basically put your foot down, go as fast as possible and dodge the lorries and you can overtake any side, there's a space. And you have to bip your horn a lot because that's cultural to let them know you're there. In fact, on the back of every lorry it says, blow your horn. So you're driving along. There is no chance of you having a nice little doze in the back of the car when you've had a long flight or something because the horns are going, and, and it's not an expression of anger or frustration. It's, it's actually road safety India style. I'm here. Have you noticed? And on you go. So here we go. We're going really fast. The horn's blowing. Uh, people are going up the wrong side on the hard shoulder. And then we're going along, and suddenly we're like in the, outside lane we would call it Zoom, zooming along and there's a guy on a motorbike coming at us the wrong way down the dual carriageway looking sort of like mean and like he's like playing chicken with us and he's coming fast and we're going fast and dual carriageway he's coming at us and 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 even the guy who's driving who's indian is a bit like oh my goodness and it's suddenly he's, he's around us and he does the same to the car that's with us behind us and then we had to dodge the cows because they're sacred and they just wander in the cities on the roads you dodge the cows and then the monkeys the monkeys are on the roads so we had to dodge the monkeys then we had to dodge the potholes then we had to dodge the the speed bumps that had no paint on them or color on them so you just you just kind of zooming along as fast as possible and suddenly like <laughs> and that was a speed bump and then you have to swerve around huge herds of goats because we were traveling it got to about five o'clock before sunset so all the goat herders are on the dual carriageway with herds of goats and then and then we dodged the goats we dodged the monkeys we dodged the cows and then we get into the town and we had to dodge the pigs uh the wild dogs and uh, there were probably other things as well, but you dodge them all, otherwise there'd be sort of carnage behind you. And some of them don't belong to anybody. The cows, the pigs, and the dogs are kind of just there. Um, and there's horn, horns are going, and this is, this is tra transportation India style. I thought I'd share that with you, because you could pray for my inner healing afterwards <laughs> all right move on move on wanted to thank you because the offering we took <clears throat> we hit about 3,900 you guys gave and we fed over a thousand people with that money that came through all the outreaches and we fed the the people that came to the pastor's days so we basically did two outreaches and two pastor's days so we fed everybody that came to all of them. All the pastors got new clothes. So I am wearing what they got, India trousers. And for size for the men, they basically got enough material to make trousers and a shirt, but it wasn't made up. So they took it to a local tailor, which we would think was like, wow, that's really expensive. But I was given a set. We took it to the local tailor and for the equivalent of nine pounds in 24 hours, they'd made me tra trousers and a shirt. And these are the trousers. They're pretty good. So we gave, we gave clothes out, saris for the women. That, that's, and, and we funded the outreaches, funded the pastor's gatherings. Um, about 25, over 25 people came to faith. Hard to count 
because of translation, but we reckon we reached at least 25 people with the gospel and countless healings and miracles and deliverances, all because we could send 3,900 pounds with us out there, and that's amazing. Thanks, thanks so much. It was just beautiful to see the power of, of that generosity, and they wanted over and over again, please thank the church for sending you, please thank the church for sending the money, please thank the church, please, please, please. So be thanked. Please be thanked. Please be thanked. Um, <clears throat> okay, quickly moving on. Who's who? Oh, is this going to work? Maybe not. Yes, it is. This was our arrival. So John Clancy, some of you know, spoken here, and I arrived together. This is the 11 o'clock welcome. Those of you who know me can tell I'm doing well, but I, that's me uncomfortable, all right? <laughs> Tired and uncomfortable, but trying to get quickly into, well, this is what they do here. I've got to be happy with it, yeah? That guy there is just be behind the bush. I'll tell you about him in a minute. That's Pastor Somesh. Became friends with him. Amazing, amazing man. Times are getting away with us. So we will, you got the idea. Now then, <clears throat> this is, so the team was me, who you can recognize with the hat on, and John Clancy at the back, who lives in Dunfermline, and we were the team. John is amazing because he's, he actually lived in Hyderabad and he studied cross-cultural mission. So I said to him, he understood the, the, the cultural difference. I said, John, I can't go unless you'll come with me. And he said, yes. So he's, he's got six kids. His family said, okay, as long as it's in half term, we'll let you go. Bless that man and his wife and his kids. Because I couldn't have, actually, we couldn't have done it without him. He's incredible. Preached up a storm, understood what was going on. Helped me in my moments of absolute meltdown at culture shock, which there's not time to talk about. <laughs> See me later. Then, uh, on, on the right, the young man is, is John, another John. So John O'Dury, who's now the leader of the, the ministry we visited. He's been the guy I've become friends with. He contacted us through our lockdown prayer for healing stuff, when stuff was kicking off through prayer for healing. He came on and said, basically said to me and Teresa, I want you to be my spiritual parents. You've got an anointing. So we're like, well, we don't just do things like that. So over months now, more than a year, year and a half, we've just had the occasional Zoom. And at the end, it's like, well, we've got to go find out if there's something in this or not. The lady in front of him in the orange is his wife, Blessy. The man in the middle is his dad. That's Pastor James and his mom. <clears throat> Pastor James started it all. Basically, they slept in, in a one, they shared a one-bedroomed, house sort of breeze block built house dirt floor with another family uh, his dad had kicked him out because he became a believer and he started the church from that place and now they've got a church of i don't know 150 you know india elastic numbers 200 maybe more uh is their base church they've got a building he's got a house to live in with that that's one of their living rooms Amazing man of prayer, amazing, amazing man of faith. And that's his wife who basically cooked everything we ate. 
and we came back with no deli belly, nothing. In fact, my stomach was better away in India than it has been in the UK. They looked after us so good, so good. The, the, the young man on the other end is John's brother, so he was our main translator. So uh, Jeff Aniah is his name. We called him Jeffy. He's a brilliant guy, and he loves cricket, so we had a good, good laugh with them. That is the kitchen that fed us for most of the time and 200 people a night. And his mom was in charge of that. So any of us here is complaining about our kitchen, that was it. I think they had an outdoor tandoori oven, clay oven as well, which every home should have one. Because we had the best tandoori chicken I've ever tasted every day. Look at that. I don't know how they did it, but they did it. This, so the first thing we did was pastors gathering. So this is one of them. Uh, and we spoke to, around in, over both times, about 200 pastors. So roughly 100 in each place that we went to. And they traveled, some of them traveled like, Pastor Somesh traveled 14 hours on a train to be there. He came from a bit further north than those, not the two states we, we pointed out. It all gets a bit confusing, don't worry about that. But he came, he church planted two churches in really Hindu areas. And he, some of these areas you get a lot of persecution. So he'd been repeatedly beaten up by Hindu gangs in his areas. And he got, still got marks on his face where he'd taken a beating. And we got to know this man. What a giant in God he was. You know, he, he, he was believing God for money to give, uh, educate his children. He did all that he was doing on a motorbike that was, you know, on its last legs. This guy was incredible. He was leading people to Jesus, got a couple of churches going that are part of this connection, this family connection that John and his dad and his mom and, and that are doing in India. We reckon that there's about 14 branches of churches and the leaders came but then there's more more leaders came because they were fascinated by and hungry for what we were bringing so we did that and they the leaders were like we only got a day so they were like we, we want you to come back they, they were they were very very receptive although what we were saying was very new to them but because it was new it was really refreshing and fresh and reviving to all the pastors so they they were kind of they were weeping, they were joyous, they were so, so blessed by what we were able to, to bring to them. And they went away. In fact, Somesh said, I took one of your messages back with me. I preached it first Sunday back because he was there. He had to go back. So he just took one of the messages and did it, translated it and did it. He was so encouraged by what we brought. So we, we influenced who knows how many churches, but we could have influenced 100 churches just by having those pastors in a room. Uh, and maybe more. It was very, very a great, great privilege to do that. Um, so we did the leaders thing, so we did that twice, and then we did the outreach thing. Now this was uh, this John Clancy preaching up a storm. The first outreach night was at their church plant about 20 kilometers away. It gets confusing, don't worry about the geography, but basically we did an outreach in the driveway of, of someone's building, and 180 people showed up in the driveway. At least 60% of them weren't believers. 
a large number of them were, were uh, Hindu and a few Muslims. And they were just crowding in at the back of this driveway. John's preaching and then we're like, we don't know how to, we haven't figured out how to do ministry time. So I just sort of went with what I felt the Holy Spirit was saying. When we come to ministry time, I walked around the back and I ended up praying for a guy. I didn't get a picture of him and he's not here. I ended up praying for a guy whose aunt, he lived with his auntie because his mum had moved on. He, he was, he could hear but he couldn't speak. So, and I, remember, you're in the middle of this crowd of people. I've got somebody who was translating for me. So I prayed for this boy, and he starts shouting, Hallelujah, Amen, says his name. And everybody around is like, Pray for me, pray for me, pray for me. <laughs> so I'm in the middle of this sort of praying for a guy whose breathing's bad, and he starts breathing better. And someone else says something, you know, they just point, and you kind of lay hands on it, and something else happens. I mean, in terms of reliable testing, I have no clue, but something was breaking out at the back of this this meeting, and this guy who couldn't speak or could only mumble, I think he could, that kind of thing, got clarity of speech. He, you know, his, his aunt who he lived with was in tears. He was lifting his hands and praising God. That was, like, amazing. Amazing. Come on, Jesus. In the morning in church, just, I'm just, I've tried to make some order out of this. Oh, God. So much happened. Right. Then we did uh, outside three nights in a field and we were eating bugs because they fly into your mouth and fly into your eyes and all this because of all the lights and it was really damp and humid so they kind of, the bugs were like, fresh meat! Uh, (laughs) So (laughs) some nights there's 150, we got maybe last night 300, something like that. And we're trying to do outreach. So we reckon a lot of the people we reached for Jesus happened through, through that. Right, I've tried to make an orderly account, O Theophilus. Oh dear, this is going not as it was planned, but let's keep going. Right, so the first thing we saw happen was actually a woman we prayed for on the first Sunday morning who hadn't slept properly for eight weeks because of getting headaches and fear. Now what we started to recognize was how much demonic activity was going on so uh, I can remember praying for her. Two days later, she came and we see it. I've been, I'm healed. I've been sleeping fine now two days on. The next thing we saw was the guy who was dumb begin to speak. Come on, Jesus. So remember, overwhelmed is the constant feeling, but overjoyed starts to overtake it because what we believe about him and what we're declaring about him is the reality, and that reality exists in India as much as it does here, and it's working. It's now starting to work in front of our eyes. Um, so uh, Monday night, first outreach night, uh, we, I prayed for a woman who'd had a stroke and movement came back to the arm that you know, they, she'd lost movement in. That was pretty fantastic. Prayed for so many back pains and neck pains that left. I can't keep counting. I'll say more about that in a minute. Uh, Tuesday night, we were wrestling with how do we do this and not feel completely overwhelmed with hundreds of people to pray for till the wee hours of the morning. So John preached a fantastic message, said that Jesus is in the room, at, at, well, in the field, and he's moving amongst us and he's walking amongst us. And then he sat down and I was like, we've got to do something with this. Just leaving it that general, although it was true, is not going to be enough. And into my head popped this, 
thing that there's two, peop two people with deaf ears, one's in the left side in the middle and one's on the right side at the back. And now, having had enough experience to like, oh, this could totally fail. This could totally fail in this culture if I do this. I had a little chat with John and he said, go on, go for it. So I'm like, so I got the mic and said, I want you to stay where you are through the interpreter, but I believe that God's opened the ear of someone in the middle of the left-hand section and at the back of the right-hand section. And when you know it's you, I want you to put your hand up. Stopped. Nothing. Nothing. And I just said, look, I'm just going to wait because I know this has happened. So I'm seriously putting my, sticking my neck out here. There's 200 Indian eyes looking at me. Nothing, nothing, nothing. I said, I'm not, I'm not going to pray for anybody else. I'm not going to do anything else. I'm just waiting here till this comes through. So I'm standing, 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 standing. No hands, no hands. They don't do hands. So waiting, waiting. Suddenly, after what felt like a forever, you know, shed load of Western embarrassment because nobody's taking a blind bit of notice of what I said. A woman from the front row or second row comes to the platform and tells the interpreter that her deaf ear has just opened. So I'm thinking, well, you know, it was approximate. <laughs> so we actually get, because what we're trying to do is build faith by getting testimony. But when you're just kind of mobbed with people, it's really, really difficult to do, but actually this lady would come on the platform and interviewed and told how she'd been deaf in this ear, tears in her face, it had opened up. Come on. <laughs> then, from the middle row on the left, someone came forward to the platform and said, you know what, my ear opened too, and came on the platform, tears in her eyes. They've been calling me deaf ear. They've been calling her names because she'd been losing her hearing and it had just popped open. And then another person came out, guess where from, towards the back on the right-hand side and said, yeah, that was me too, and my ear has opened. So we had not two but three, and the first one we got was not in the place I thought it was. But that cracked something, and, and, and I shared... I, I shared a, a, a kind of word of knowledge thing where I'd seen a blue door and behind the door there were snakes on the floor and glory of God in the ceiling. And I said, somebody here lives in a house with a blue door and you're mixing your religions. And I said, as I saw this, I started to feel sick and I feel the sickness in your house and it's because you're mixing these two things. Nobody, I didn't expect anyone to come forward. Early the next morning, someone knocked on the door woke up Jeffy, who saw in the, the translator, and said, we live in a house with a blue door. That was us. We're giving our lives fully to Jesus today. Come on. So the deaf ears opened up, and then I said, there's some people with breathing difficulties, did the same thing. Again, they didn't respond, but then a load of people came out. Three people came out and said, asthma, all kinds of stuff had just disappeared in that environment. Oh, yes. So that, that was just extraordinary. Uh, a tall guy with bad knees got healed. And I, I ended up with a bit of a formula, which is if they wanted me to pray for their knees, they had to go do stairs, do stair work. So I'd just go, Jesus' name, Jesus' name, stairs. Um, <laughs> it's like take up your bed and walk type thing. But it that was working for them in their culture. So he got healed and 
Uh, so many, so many got healed. It, it, we went to the next, uh, cloudy eyes I've already done. The next place, uh, I was just, sorry, it was just overwhelming because you just, we, 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 it was smaller numbers, so we ended up praying for lots of people. There was one night, I don't know how, you see, they, they can't afford the doctor. They don't know what's wrong with them. They just come up to you. You have all these people coming up to you. Say, I've got a pain in my head, a pain in my back, a pain in my arm, and a pain in my knees. That's what they know. And it could be arthritis. It could be something more serious. It could be just pains. And one after another was praying for these people and sending them, if anything to do with knees, they did the stairs. I can't remember. It must have been six people at least all the pain just left and they come back they're beaming their knees are working something's happened with their back or whatever it's gone and then these young teenagers brought their friend with them and he's perspiring he's got a fever uh maybe 13 14 years old he's got a fever aches all through his body and they said this this guy this guy's got um typhoid and I met his mom and his dad. His mom was recovering from typhoid, prayed for her. Very poor, couldn't afford good food, couldn't, and couldn't afford bottled water, etc., etc. So they drank what they drank, ended up with typhoid. He's, he's seriously unwell with typhoid, and his mates bring him for prayer. So uh, me and a couple of guys prayed for him, and he went down like in the spirit. And there's no carpet or nothing. It's like... And then we got him back up and I said, how are you? And he's like, you get, the other thing you have to work through is the head wobble thing. Um, <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Which is that always, you feel like a Westerner, you're always getting a definite maybe from people. They don't go, they, I can't even do it. It's sort of like this, which is open for interpretation. So you don't know if he's better or he's not. <laughs> so... I resort to the only thing I know, which is I'll pray again. So down he goes again. A third time of this, he gets up and he's like, it, the fever's gone. The pains have gone. He came back the next morning and he was out. He was well. Uh, he was healthy and he went and served on their kids' ministry team. Come on. Uh, I'm out of time. So really the message that I wanted us to get is that everything God's given us, taught us, tried to get inside of us it, over this last time, it actually works. Now we can get discouraged with it and feel like it doesn't. And, but, but in this overwhelming environment, the thing John and I did was we just hung in there and went with who we knew he'd made us and with what he'd shown us. And now what we know and what we have does get tested. And our culture, like our Western culture, our UK culture, is very, very good at trying to undermine what you believe about Jesus, what you believe about you. But the gospel works, guys. The Father is a good Father. Jesus is raised from the dead, and when he said it was finished, it is finished. And this is as true for us in our, our Glasgow, Scotland, UK, Western culture, as it is for them, some, it, it, we had to carve through a different culture but to bring a reality of the kingdom of heaven 
into their environment. This stuff works. This stuff is what Jesus has called us to do and to go to the ends of the earth doing because the miracles and signs and wonders confirm the gospel. People get saved. People were abandoning their idols. They were, you know, that I gave you one example, but there were many examples of people going, we are now rejecting that faith. Ah, oh, one story, one more story. This guy, he got about 30 seconds prayer, put his hand on his face. We don't know whether it was a tumor or a cyst. We had a two centimeter growth on the side of his face. I prayed for him, moved on, didn't know what happened. He came to see us the next morning saying, when you touch my face, that thing disappeared. I've had it for five years and I've been in pain and it's completely gone. I'm a shepherd, I'm a drunkard, and I'm a Hindu. And basically, the remaining pain left and he gave his life to Jesus. He's about to be baptized. <clears throat> so he's a good father. Jesus is risen from the dead. Jesus died and paid for all this stuff already and, and we're included in. We're not separate, we're not distant, we're included in. And this counts for you at work tomorrow, your finances, your health, your kids. This is who we are, this is what we're called to do. And millions of people in our nation need to encounter this reality too. So let's stand, let's stand together. Thanks, thanks guys, it took longer than I thought, but never mind. It's India time. <laughs> We're only just getting going, really. <laughs> so, Father, thank you for what you're doing. And thank you for what you're doing in this nation, in our church, in the nations. I pray we'd overcome disappointment and hold on, be held on to by you as we hold on to what we know about you. Because thank you, God. These are words about reality, about your presence, about who you've made us, where you've positioned us. And thank you that it's always growing and always expanding, but the core reality that it is finished, that you have paid for all this stuff is so beautiful and so profound, and we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.